Hello, welcome to Relatable. This is your host, Teresa Freeman. Today, we find out what soft skills are necessary for a career in music and school administration. Our guest, Brian Case, is the Dean of Students and Personal Development Teacher at Liberty Middle School in Clifton, Virginia. How did he transition from Chorus Director to Dean of Students? And what specific moments have shaped his career as an educator? Oh, and what advice would he give someone pursuing a career in music? Listen in to find out. Enjoy this episode. Yeah, it's really exciting. Thank you for thank you for reaching out. Yeah, before I even ask you anything, I should tell you. I think I've told you this in email before, but you are absolutely one of my favorite teachers that my kids have ever had. Like hands down, like whether like academics or like physical education or anything that they've been into, but I feel like you've always had a ton of energy. I feel like you were super organized, so like you were really good at getting us to do things as parents without being a jerk about it. <laughs> and then I think what really kind of at least for me, what really kind of shines through is like your love for the students and for what you do. That's just infectious. So I just really appreciate like the opportunity to sit down and talk to you. Yeah. Thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's great that I've been able to use music as a way to build belonging and connection for kids and, you know, build that. I know as a parent that when you send your kid off to school and especially when it's a new school after a long time or whatever it is, having been at the middle school level for as long as I have, that you want them to know that they've got a place where they feel safe and they can be themselves and be affirmed. And so that's a huge part of how I've tried to show up for kids and it continues to be a passion and purpose. Yeah. And I think the other thing as as a mom of boys, mm-hmm. like the fact that you had, you know, you had my oldest son and then now you have my youngest son, but I think for boys being in choir in seventh and eighth grade, it's not an easy thing necessarily. Yeah, and, we can uh, get into what that might have meant for me as a middle schooler too. Yeah, yeah you know, <laughs> and so I just feel like you had that great balance of I don't know that you even you know knowingly or talked about it in such an obvious way, but I but certainly like both my boys really enjoyed it, and I think felt like they could be there and not be like a social lever, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, at the same time. So, mm-hmm. um, so I, I mean, I know you mostly in that context, but before we jump into that, let's talk about, because you've just had a big change in your career. And so tell me a little bit about what you're doing now. Yeah, it is something that, you know, I, I'd been pursuing, like I said, fortunate to have had music to yeah. use as a tool to connect with students and when you are teaching in our context where we are, um, kids sign up for music in middle school. So you have a sample set of kids that you either convinced to get there or they had a musical experience that got them there. And I was developing skills around, you know, the connection and belonging thing and the, the community piece and really having students feel like their voices heard. I was, I was developing those skills and utilizing those in the classroom and really saying, gosh, I wish I could make a larger impact than the students that choose to be there. Love your kids and love all the kids that I that I <laughs> yeah. get to teach. And still, I knew that I had really got some tools in the tool belt that could be impactful outside. Um, so I'm now currently in a role as uh, the dean of students at the school. And I'm also um, teaching a couple of personal development classes with 
um, yeah. students with identified autism, intellectual disabilities, um, emotional disabilities, and that having both of those things at the same time. So that core of students who I'm engaging in those restorative processes with those practices and still getting to do that outside in the larger school community, both with students and impacting teachers and, and families. That is what, that's what it looks like now. And we're still trying to figure out what it looks yeah. like now. <laughs> well, congratulations. That's, it's awesome. And I, it's funny. I remember asking Josh because he came home. He was very sad. That yeah. You, you're moving on. And I was said, so is it a, like, is it a good thing? Did he seem excited when he, you know, and ask a 13 year old to try to like, <laughs> to like peel back that onion. But I, I think it's, I, I completely understand like you have this opportunity to kind of have a one-to-many impact and then the fact that like within the choral function it's probably somewhat limited so the fact that you now can do that that's awesome tell me a little bit of it just in the context of being a choral director and how long were you in that space and and tell me a little bit about your path to that role yeah so i was a middle school choir director for 14 years and i'd been at at the school in our community for nine and five before that uh still in in fairfax county i would say that the shift for me from i'm doing this because music is the thing that i love yeah to i'm doing this because i love seeing kids grow and find the skills that are within them we just have to help them figure out where they are and how to exercise them. That happened in the time that I've been at this school. Um, but what led to that just as a kid of like the the yeah. music passion thing was, you know, uh, you know, my mom. Yeah. Um, so she showed up to an elementary school chorus concert when I was in like fifth grade. And um, I just don't think they knew or maybe I just misremember because I mean, at this point I'd already had them like, let me buy a drum set. And, you know, yeah. um, we bought the drum set so that my voice could be, uh, still available because if I played a wind instrument, it wouldn't be. Oh. Um, <laughs> but you know, she showed up to the chorus concert, and I was playing drums on something, and I'm playing percussion on something else, and I'm playing probably an instrument that she didn't even know that I played. And but I was also singing, and and I think she probably looked at my dad and said, "So this was the Brian show. I think we thought just every kid was like going after it this way, oh. and it's you know when you're ignited in something that you're passionate about, you don't even realize the." the time or space sometimes that you're taking up. And it's important to understand the time and space that it's taking up in your life. But yeah, so I struggled throughout public school just with all of the other stuff because I didn't realize until my senior year and then when I went off to college to study music that I really liked that thing. Oh, interesting. And so I had a hard time with organization skills in other places. But music was always a place where I felt like I knew what I was doing and I wasn't getting in trouble for not being able to focus or Mm -hmm. because... What I wanted to do was focus on the thing that I wanted to focus on. So that flexibility of thinking has certainly been a thing that I've worked on. Um, yeah. And still, it's it's how I ended up where I was. So so then for you, like, did you, you said as you were approaching maybe your senior year in high school, were, did you start to think about like, oh, I, I'm going to pursue music in, in college. And then tell me like how hard that is in terms of finding a spot and how competitive that is. Yeah, you know, I was just talking to one of my college roommates. So I, I went to Florida State, and Florida State is a huge music ed school and, and a lot of other great music um, things as well. Uh, in Florida, it's the art school, uh, mm. whereas like UF is the engineering school. Yeah. And so, um, but he, he was talking to me about going in um, for interviews for his doctorate in uh, in music education. And I started to get these shutters of like, I don't want to enter back into what music education is or just, you know, higher, higher education music in general. 
there are a lot of times where I loved what I was doing when I was there. The pressure of, and you know, I know that you know, working with college students and acceptance, yeah. you're you're going to schools and you're trying to ascertain. Hey, so is this a place where, you know, just as it is with athletics too, right? Like, is this a place where um, my grades really, really, really matter and so does my my ability or my skill that I've worked on? Mm-hmm. Or is this a place where my ability and skill are going to be enough and you're going to try to get me in the door? Now, for me, I didn't have to worry about that too much, Yeah. but there's a lot of pressure in that. I auditioned at really only a few places. To be honest with you, you know, we live here in Virginia. Spring is nice. Spring exists. I I went to a couple of the more highfalutin schools up in uh, the Northeast over a spring break. And I looked around. I was like, it's raining and nobody's smiling or walking (laughs) with anybody. Yeah. And I went to an audition in Florida in January and I was wearing a t-shirt and sandals. And I looked at my mom and I said, I think I'd like to be here. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And, you know, fortunately, I fooled some people into thinking I could sing that day and they (laughs) they let me come. So So it was singing was the. Yes. So, uh, yeah, my uh, voice is my principal instrument. My wife makes fun of me that I call it the instrument Um, and, you know, that you worry about taking care of it. But, yeah, voice is my principal instrument. And throughout college, you know, as a as you train to be a choir teacher, you have to take piano stuff. You also have to, in Florida at the time, be certified K-12 all music. So, like, when everybody asks me what instruments I play, I just kind of say, well, I'm supposed to be able to teach all of them. Mm-hmm. So, if you give me a little bit of time, I could figure it out again. Somebody asked me the other day, though, what instruments don't you play? And I don't get that question very often. It's like, that's a way better place to start. Yeah. <laughs> So that's okay. So then you you finish school and then you start. Is it pretty easy because you you end up in music education even though you were sort of like eh, I don't think that's what I want to pursue or how did that come to be? Well, actually, it was early on in college that I realized there are performance people and there are yeah. education people and the sorts of skills that are required in both the sort of you know confidence and hubris over in the yeah. performance and I was accepted for both. I, I could have pursued the other direction. I just realized early on I was really enjoying spending a lot more time with the ed people than and the experiences that I had with students in classrooms just continue to make me want to come back for more. Yeah. And so I got the degree in music education, was fortunate to get a job right out of school and I never looked back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I never really had any questions about whether or not education was the place for me to be. Although I will say, you know, my mom is, is an educator and she was an administrator for several years. Early on in my teaching career, when administrators would, you know, do evaluations and do interviews, and they say, "So, do you want to be an administrator?" I'm like, "No, that's what my mom does. I love music." And then, you know, sure enough, ten years later, are. it's like that's what I'm pursuing. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think what I love about that too is just, you know, you're so familiar with the inside, given everything that you've been through in the last fourteen years. That I'm sure it gives you a really good perspective, both from a student perspective and then obviously you're managing parents in the arts and then to be able to kind of take all of that into the role that you have now I suspect there's just a lot of good stuff that like prepares you for being able to handle it on a bigger scale yeah and I will also say the other piece about you know just being a a a middle school chorus teacher and this is probably true this is true of a lot of secondary music educators is it's not just the music piece if you're only good at that then you're not going to be successful It is, you know, as you mentioned earlier, it's the organization piece. It's the when you communicate, how you invite in and not call out. It's the trying to read where a student might be coming from. And, you know, somebody's emotions is just one data point. 
there's uh, there's all the data points that led up to why they're entering the classroom in this way and you know what sorts of questions are going to bring out for them that they feel emotionally safe in order to help support them with what they might need and so those are things that i certainly learned in the music classroom you know the other thing to just mention about the voice in general is it's such a personal thing and you know you having had boys that have gone through middle school chorus like you know your your voice changes when it changes and um (laughs) yeah but it's a really personal thing that it's our thing that we bring in and somebody's going to help me to get better at using it yeah you're gonna have to convince me and so there's a lot of (laughs) there's a lot of that sometimes it's group think to try to get you to get there and sometimes it's you know again it's creating that that safety What do you think, like, just because you have a front row seat, I feel like there was the whole swell of interest post Glee. So I don't Mm. know if, like, you got to, I can't even remember when Mm -hmm. Glee was on, Mm -hmm. but, like, if you got to be the benefit of that, like, if there was more interest. And then certainly COVID, I think, has been such a hard hit, I feel like, to a lot of the arts. And so how has it been to manage just that ebb and flow or to feel like you know I know some schools have like massive interest in population right is that something that's a struggle or how do you handle that you know that's that's a piece of the secondary music educator thing that is just always persistent is that you are always worried about the numbers in order to make sure that you can continue to do the job that you enjoy And it's really hard and it's really sad when people have to find creative ways to do that, which just decreases the depth of the impact that they might be able to make with the students that are there. So yes, I mean, absolutely. I was teaching during the Glee thing and I probably programmed some things that, you know, that were easily sold from there. But you know, the the spring concert thing that I had eventually built, you know, that thing where students have yeah. students have voice and say in what we're going to do and i remember your your older was was one of the first that like they built something they arranged something that i helped them with very minimally and they figured out where their strengths were and they put it on stage themselves yeah. and it fit around a theme that i had you know chosen and it was a really broad theme and that's what i did from year to year is just choose a broad theme and allow students to show up in the way that that they want to program this thing and give them ownership on it and that was that was a huge piece of what made being there being worth coming back. Right. The, the hard thing with a two-year middle school, the way that it's structured where we are, is it's really hard to, like, spread that good news that, like, <laughs> this is a really special thing that's happening right, over here. Right, um, You know, I don't mean to toot my own horn on that yeah. because it's a special thing because we're allowing the curriculum to be what kids are showing up as. Yeah. We're allowing that to be what yeah. we're what we're focusing on. So. Yeah. And I think, you know, like you were saying, I just think I, I grew up with uh, a lot of music, like in our house, my mom was a phenomenal piano player and her mom and we, a lot of us played an instrument. And so I had like a huge respect for it and love it. And I feel like it's such a great way to like round out people's experiences. And I, and I, and I feel like it just gets such a bad rap, you know, in terms of like, um, even band, because I was a band person, mm-hmm. and so it's like, you know, it's and I even my um, and when I was in high school, like if you wanted to be in the symphonic band, that he made you march, mm-hmm. like you had to march, mm-hmm. and like I couldn't handle the pressure by my senior year, like quit because it was just like the whole walk in the halls and the uniform with the plume mm-hmm. and all that, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like such a sad thing because music is such a great. I think such a great element and it, and it creates, it makes you an interesting person. Like that was one of the things I've told my kids to stay with it because I feel like it creates something else for you to talk about, something else for you to understand, you know? 
Yeah, and there's also the the teamwork and collaboration thing yes. that, that kids get. You know, it's funny. So I've been reflecting on this thing around education and, and a new three R's, right? So reading, writing, arithmetic would, would have been where we came from. And the three R's, I'm sure you've heard it in what I've talked about so far is relationship, yep. reflection, and resiliency. So... Love those. Relatable is sponsored by TFA Soft Skills, your one-stop shop for workshops, coaching, speaking, and soft skills development. If you'd like to hire Teresa, visit www.tfasoftskills.com for more information. Yeah, so, and it's not my own, right? Yeah. So, but the relationship piece is something that, you know, that has come naturally. I'm, a, I'm generally a pretty reflective person, how do you teach that? Mm-hmm. And then, but what you just named, resiliency, what we have to do is ensure that we're not putting things in front of kids that aren't necessary for them to build resiliency. Like, there's going right. to be enough avarices right. in our way yeah. that are going to, you know, yeah. that are, that are going to need to create some resiliency and not not grit. Like, truly, you know, right. uh, the idea of, of being resilient in the face of something to reflect on what you learned from it. And rely on the relationships that you have. To... It's, so, it's so interesting you said that because I just, I have a friend, you know, whose son is having kind of a hard time. Uh, he's in college and he went through something significant. And I said, you know, you just became a, a way more interesting human, right? Because mm. I think through the adversity, through difficulty, when you kind of climb out of it and you're resilient, like that's what you start to build on. And that's what you rely on as an adult mm-hmm. out in the world is that you've been through some stuff and you can call back on that. And so I feel like it's such an important thing, that resiliency of like actually going through the pain of whatever the thing is. You know, sometimes it's big, high stakes, sometimes maybe not as much, but like that's where the growth comes, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me a little bit about, because you mentioned the performance aspect, and I know, I think I've heard you one time sort of outside of the classroom where you were performing. Do you perform much on your own? Like, are you part of a band? Tell me about that, especially now that you've moved into more of an administrative role. Like, how are you going to keep the music alive? Yeah, so I was I was gigging for a while pre-COVID. Um, I gigged a few times uh, after as we as we were coming out, and just also having gone from you know one kid to two throughout that time leading up, and yeah. so time is difficult in that realm. I, I lead um, our music ministry currently at church, and I have found that as I've gotten out of the music classroom, I'll look at who's scheduled on a given Sunday, and I'll say, huh. I wonder if who's leading this week might think that their team's a little light and that I might be able to hop on on this thing, which is a nice thing about being able to play a lot of things. And I don't think it's because I'm currently in charge that they say yes. Uh, (laughs) Right. Maybe. (laughs) um, But I also find like I'm singing in the hallways more than I was before because like, and to be honest with you, when I was in the music classroom, anybody who knows me, and I'm sure that your sons would say the same, like, yeah, Mr. Case doesn't listen to music. He just, like, listens to podcasts at 2x speed. So uh, <laughs> um, so I have not sought out listening and consuming nearly as much as, you know, I think that comes with age on anybody, right? Like, right. who's your who's your favorite band? It's right. your favorite band when you were in high school. Right. Right? For like, sure. For sure. Um, but, yeah, I haven't. I haven't really started to gig out a whole lot more, um, nor have I found that I need that creative outlet just yet. Mm-hmm. And I also have experienced and learned from people who have been in the school administration game long enough that they'll come to you. Like the, the principal at, you know, uh-huh. at our school came to me and said, 
Brian, I, I need to sing. What can I do? And I was like, well, I'm not going to start singing Barbershop with you again. Um, so here are a couple of places that you can. And he's and he's loving it. And I could see that that might be something that I need to do later. Point, yeah. uh, right now, I'm just singing a lot was <laughs> on it, my own. Was it a hard decision to leave? Like in terms of like you said, you had kind of been thinking about it for a while. So maybe that as a factor but was it like to make the switch into kind of after doing something for so long well i pursued the degree in education leadership in 2019 and was able to keep it on track even though it shifted from what i was expecting it to be yeah um with covid and i was able to i was able to finish it you know i got a lot of i did a lot of learning and got a lot of things done because of that shift and it was really funny i don't know if you had the same experience but like you're doing things the in the virtual world and you're like, huh, I learned how to do this thing really well. Is this the last time that I'm going to have to do it this way? Right. And what can I transfer from this that I learned how to do? Like, what of my communication skills have grown here? Because I'm never going to have to, like, edit this video together the same way again. Right. Uh, so, yeah, it, it was hard insofar as... Especially mid-year, right? Like, is that a little tough? Yeah. Yes. And, you know, I, I've been pursuing things over the time since I'd completed the program. And it was actually probably... The, the harder piece was not getting things and the resiliency that that had to build oh, up for me and the the weird way that the transition happened was you know just one day it's like oh this is this is the last day that you're going to be teaching in this room that you've been in for nine years and impacted however many hundreds of people and, right. and they've impacted you and but then the job just moves so fast that the yeah. the the time to be bittersweet around that you know uh it is also great that i'm still in the building so like i still yeah. see your son. I still see the kids that were in that classroom and, you know, let them know if you need me, I'm here. Yeah. They also see me running around with my butt on fire and they're like, <laughs> yeah. And I think it's cool too, for them to see you. I don't know if mature is the right word, but evolve or change into something else. Right. And see that there's movement or see that there's some other ways to be productive and be engaged. I think that's really cool too. Mm -hmm. And that it's within that system that you can do that, that you're already so familiar with. Yeah. One of the things that I like to ask people it's, it's is it may seem a little random, but I I'm like fascinated in sort of the the journey and then kind of the human path. And for you, would you say there was like a significant moment or a mentor or an event that really changed or shaped your path, like how you evolved or how you've maneuvered either through like your career or you know something or even through school? You know, tell me about that, like something that may have had a, a big impact on you. When I think about major moments that impacted how I am able to show up to work, but also show up to life. Mm -hmm. Early high school was really hard for me. You know, I, I loved doing music and I was really bad at the rest of school. Or at least I wasn't as good as we thought that I could be. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was fortunate that my mom was going through her admin degree at the time and was learning about exceptional learners and said, oh, this is what's going on with my son. And so we went through and, you know, got tested psychological evaluation. And, you know, I, I have ADHD, cohabitates with depression for me um, in, in harder seasons. The ADHD piece was really important to acknowledge because that's what I was talking about earlier with like when you're in it and you're doing it and you love it, you just focus for a really long time. And like the idea of, you know, in flow that people talk about, mm -hmm. like it, it's there. And it's really hard for you to focus on things that you don't want to be focusing on. So we, we pursued medication from that point, and that was all throughout college. And then 
when I went back to my pediatrician when I was 22 years old asking to get, uh, you know, can you re-up me? I was like, no, you have to go to a big boy doctor now. <laughs> and so, so I, you know, as an adult and, you know, I was, uh, I was also married at the time, um, still am. Very fortunate, yeah. But but what I what I discovered in going to a psychologist at that point was so you probably created a super Brian for a while there, and let's see what happens if you don't do it that way with medication. And I've not been on medication since. It is something that is necessary for a lot of people, and it was for me in order to make it through high school and college to be able to focus because it was hard for me. But what I learned was so your ADHD doesn't just manifest itself in work, although that's how you've been, right. you know, thinking about it. Like it impacts your marriage. It impacts the other places where you are stepping into leadership. And it's like, oh, you know, 22 year old you, you think you know everything, but you know nothing. And then at, you know, as, as time goes on and now I see, I see so much clearer how this manifests in other kids. And I'm never going to tell anybody like the way that you have to do it is this way. Cause that's just what worked for me. But what I do is I just make sure that I know that I have the, the patience to say, Hey, everybody is coming into whatever we're trying to do together with whatever things that they are trying to work through. And so for me, you know, I was very fortunate that we were able to identify that when we did. And it was really impactful for me to be able to like, feel like I could be successful and have the support that I Yeah, I think that was maybe going to be my next question is like, was it something that like, without you even knowing what it was, kind of felt like it was holding you back or that you were, you know, less than, I don't even know if that's the right term in terms of your peers or like when you're in high school to your point around being successful. Like, was it really that clear of a it sort of unlocked a gate for you to be able to to focus and and like be able to especially in the areas that maybe you weren't as interested in yeah absolutely and i think a a big thing that you know coming from the arts education background a big thing that we need to provide students and that i was able that i was provided was and this is this is the vision at at our school is to ignite a passion for your kids learning so what's going to ignite that passion that they're going to want to continue to show up to it. What's what's going to get them excited? And so that just helped me to manage the other stuff in a way that made it so that I could pursue and enjoy the thing that I... And do you yeah. feel like now, like, are you, like, what are some of the tools that you use now to, like, do you, is it still something that impacts you now or, and, and like, how do you manage it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, again, I said with the, the cohabitation with <laughs> depression, so, like, yeah. I really do subscribe to like cognitive behavioral therapy and being able to say like, Hey, it's not what you feel that should guide what you do next. It's what you know you should do next. And you know, your, your feelings and thoughts are valid and also take a moment to question those things and whether or not they are in fact all the way true. Like Mm -hmm. it cannot be all the way true that you were entirely unhelpful today. Right. You can believe that you didn't do as much as you wish that you had and you can make a plan for how you want to, uh, impact better tomorrow and also make a plan for how you might respond when it doesn't happen. But, th- but that's a huge thing for me yeah. on the ADHD side of things, just because the nature of the work that I'm doing, I'm excited about everything that I get to do. I occasionally do have to do some things in my new role and in previous roles. It's like, I have to do this and I just know what time of day I have to do it. Interesting. I can't say I will get to that later because if I say I'll get to that later, I won't get to that later. I know I need to do it at 8 Mm a.m. And if that's 8 a.m. on a weekday and I'm not teaching at that time, great. And if that needs to be 8 a.m. on a Saturday, I need to communicate to my family like this is when I'll be able to do this and it will take me 45 minutes 
Yeah. And if I try to do it any other time, like my wife, my wife was trying to help me with a work problem last night. And it was after we got through the rest of our day and we had some things with the kids. And I was like, afterwards, because I was difficult during afterwards. I was like, I'm so sorry. It was hard to get through that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. and, and she, you know, knows that about me and has, has grace and patience for it. Um, uh, she's just so brilliant in what she's, what she does in her job that like, um, I knew that she could help me with it. I asked for it and then just, you know, life happens. It's like, you know, you know, you have to show up when you can show up. And I'm fortunate that she shows up when. I think too, it must give you a great, like you had mentioned some of the other groups and populations you're working with. So like having that backstory and that background gives you like a level of empathy and a a way to, I think, be able probably to connect with people. Yeah. And and the thing is, it's not about what the, the label is. It's about what what structures and supports yeah. that we can help students put in place to help them identify that those things are there so that they can then build those strategies out for themselves as they go out into the world, right? Like that's the goal is that they would be not just ignited for their passion when they're with us, but be lifelong learners, learners sustainable right. lifelong learners. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Staying curious. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's hard for me to sit on this side of any <laughs> equation because I just ask questions all day. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure that 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 was the really big change in my in my teaching practice was when I realized like, oh, there's there's not enough student voice here. What's the solution to that? Start asking questions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And are you are you the first like is because you said it's still kind of being figured out. So are you the first dean of students or were you replacing someone? Is it a new role? We are busy scheduling relatable interviews for 2023, and we love our relatable community. If you or someone you know would be a good guest for relatable, let us know. You can send an email to info at tfasoftskills.com. Include the potential guest name and contact information. Please send all suggestions to info at tfasoftskills.com. We created the role. Okay. Um... And it is a role for professional development advancement that exists in some of our neighboring counties. Principals are staffing it more and more at the secondary level right now. They're finding creative ways to do I it. Love it. Yeah. Because what we're seeing is, you know, students need that support of having somebody that can help with the, it's, it's not low lying, but, you know, I like to refer to myself as a small firefighter, mm-hmm. right? So like mm-hmm. students out of class. This seems like a conversation that, you know, can be managed now and not have to turn into something bigger later. So that's, that's what the role looks like now. And like I said, that as it's been staffed differently at different schools, other folks might have different ways that they've been doing it. But the biggest thing for me is that belonging and connection piece, how to get students to feel like the classroom is where they can be successful, Mm -hmm. um, where they feel like they are valued and affirmed on the other side of that door so that learning can then happen. I'm a huge... I, I come back to Maslow very often in mm. my thinking. Mm-hmm. So sometimes... <laughs> so sometimes it's like, oh, this kid... Like, if I ask them enough questions, they just need a granola bar. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Yeah, like, that's um, so true. Right. And so that, that's that's a piece of, of what it is now. Like, and now that I'm not doing the music thing for as much of the day... Mm-hmm. I've got so much more time and space to be able to stay curious and ask those questions yeah. um, because oftentimes it would be now I've got to go over to class or yeah. now I've got to make sure that I've got this lesson planned so that 
class is successful or now I've got to make sure I send that parent email so that they know what time rehearsal is going to let out so that I'm not sitting outside for, uh, you know, three hours this afternoon. So, um, yeah, that, that's what the Dean role looks like right now. So, okay. I, okay. And then as far as like, just to, um, step back to the music thing for a second, for people that are listening, that are interested either in pursuing music as a career of, you know, the performance side or the education side, like what, what advice or counsel do you have for, for them? Like in terms of preparing themselves and maybe even like for your audition process or like, what is it that people should be considering if they want to pursue that type of career? Reps, 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 um, just, yeah. And it's, and it's reps in the practice room. It's, it's reps in front of people. It's reps where you feel, sorry, repetitions sometimes. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, yeah. It's, it's reps where you feel safe. It's reps where you feel like you're taking a risk. Like I, I was just very fortunate to be plugged in with, with a church growing up that like I was playing different charts every week. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I had just a whole bunch of reps on a whole bunch of instruments and, um, I was very fortunate in that. And that's something that I talk a lot about with people now is like, are we giving kids the opportunities that we had to become the musicians that we are? Or are we so worried about, you know, the, well, I want to make sure that we protect them and that like, yes, we do need to respond to that because we are definitely in a different world now than the one that we grew up in. Yeah. Um, and the weight of the comment of a stranger is so much more impactful on right. kids nowadays. Right. I was hearing somebody talk the other day, you know, we've had thousands of years to research the effect of alcohol on our bodies. We've had about 20 to research the effect of social media on our bodies. And we're going to get to the other side of whatever we're on the other side of. And we're going to be like, oh yeah, that was a problem. Right. Yeah, for <laughs> and, sure. And so, you know, I know that strays away from the question, but yeah. it really is important to get yeah. get the reps in and be okay with making mistakes. And, um, you know, back on that resiliency piece and the relationship and reflection, the way that I heard somebody describe it was, if you serve the ball into the net and you just keep doing it the same way, you need to pause and reflect. Um, right. Resilience is I pause, reflect, I try it again and I still fail and I decide to keep going back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. So, and that's that's a big thing with the music thing is like, you're going to mess up, but that's just also being human. Yeah. And yeah. let's stop for a minute because I had this experience with Josh last year. So I figure I just thought of it as we were sitting here just in terms of stage fright, right? Or mm-hmm. people like getting yeah. scared and not being able to perform. Yeah. I'm, now that, like, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, I'm thinking of it now that you were just talking about that in terms of the reps and like kind of putting yourself out there. So what about people that have significant issues with that? Like what is your counsel or how do you, you know, tell them to approach it or what advice do you have? Yeah. I mean, I should turn the question back around on you because (laughs) you're the one that had to probably counsel more through it than, than I did. I mean, that's really hard because you never want that to be the reason why somebody can't continue to pursue that passion. Right. Um, so what audiences or venues might be able to build that practice? You know, something I talk about often in the chorus classroom was like, okay, so we're here in the classroom. This is a home game. And we need to practice playing a couple of away games. Like we need to walk over here and sing out in the hallway and not care who walks by. Uh-huh. Because yeah. you know what? Music makes communities better. They're probably going to be fine and enjoy what we what we do there. Right. And, and that small step of like, you know, I said before reps in the practice room. All right. So then put it somewhere else yeah. and then put it somewhere else. Whatever you think the biggest hurdle is or the biggest fear is. Let's find smaller ways to get to that place 
you know, in, in that specific instance, you know, it could have been time of day. It could have been fear of who's in the room. Oftentimes, yeah. we don't even think about the fact that the people in the room only want... <laughs> What's best. Yeah. Yeah. Like okay. they're, they, they're so excited. You're going to be great. Yeah. And they want you to be great. And it's... That's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think what happened with that, with him the first time was, it was at the high school and it was the first time they were performing. Mm. And I think it was like sort of the, like the scale of it maybe. Yeah. And then his brother had just, I don't know, I, I, some, who knows? Like yeah. he was going through some stuff then either, but also at that time. And then I think one of the things that he and I have done is just sort of like the baby steps yeah. of like, yeah. let's just get in the car and drive there. Mm-hmm. And if, if you can't get out, then that's okay. Yep. You know, but if you can get out, maybe get out and walk to the door. Like I've really like, that seems to have helped some, like just to kind of, ba- I know it sounds silly, but like baby steps to get to the thing. And then I think what worked well for us with this situation is like shortly after that concert that you couldn't sing in, you had your assessment and that was like a much smaller deal mm-hmm. and there was like no one there and like he did it. And yeah. then I think once he did it, then it was like, oh, I can do this. So it's like that, you know, recognition of like, I can do it and I'll be okay. Yeah. And I think that that's a thing that we all realized as we tried to get back to regular flow yeah. of, of yeah. life is like, we started plugging back into things that we had just been used to. However, um, kids, and we'll just continue to see this over the next 20 years or so, kids who didn't get a chance to take whatever small risk and realize, oh, that, you know, there's a net for me there. It's fine. And so that was, it seemed like it was a big risk with not a whole lot of net. And, um, you know, like I said, we all make mistakes. Like what other things might I've been able to have thought about putting in place or asking those questions before that, you know, you learn from it. And so like, that's what we're seeing now is developmentally kids that are, you know, your kid's age, what risks might they not have taken? And so now they're not knowing how to take the bigger risks or they're taking the bigger risks and not knowing what to do when they mess up. Like they just don't know how to respond. My kid's age is going to be the ones that when we're in school, we're going to have to respond to that shift from learn to read to reading to learn and that shift in the classroom. So we're just going to have to continue to be responsive to whatever it was that they might've developmentally just had to experience differently yeah yeah Yeah. so it's it's all very challenging and exciting like to think where i'm at right now i know that whenever i finish my career in education we won't be on the other side of whatever the impact of of what happened was yeah does that make sense yeah Yeah. for sure for sure and as you're talking too i think it'd be great like i mean you're so you can hear the excitement and the passion i guess i would ask you like for you whether you know as as a like as a career in education both with music and then now in this new role like what is it that's the most fulfilling for you or what do you get out of it because that's the other thing i think it's hard right now for people to pursue education because it's a lot of responsibility the pay is like not as competitive and so i think it's hard to like say i want to sign up for that and do that so tell me a little bit about like kind of what gets you up and that shower test of feeling like you know the fulfilling aspect for you i want to make sure that i pause yeah i'm grateful and i and i never question what it is and i also know that there are many that might say right now i love everything that i do in education and I would never tell somebody who's not in education yet to get in. And, and that saddens me. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the really hard thing is, you know, I keep coming back to it because of any, I, I keep coming back to the COVID piece of it all, because I think of any 
of any career. And there's there's a couple of others that you could make make this same claim of. Like we obviously went from the the superhero to the you know questioning what what's going on here. Yeah. Um. And that that's what makes it hard. There are charts out there that you know. And, but it goes back even further, like going back to like the 70s, the only thing that has gone up. So the the things that have dipped are um, teacher, how do I describe it? Um, like satisfaction. Yeah, yeah. Self, yeah, yeah. Satisfaction fulfillment has has gone down. The community being pleased with what uh, what public education is has gone down. But the thing that's gone up is just spending. <laughs> it's like, so what are we doing here? But say all that to say. I continue to show up because this this might be hard from the human resource realm. Uh, one of the things that I heard that I loved is you can't raise grown folks. <laughs> and so yeah. we have the opportunity to continue to come into contact with, with kids in, in their most needy... Yeah, like formative, right? And formative yeah. times. Yeah. And be able to make an impact there for what I truly believe can make an impact for a better place where we're going yeah and that's what's important about being able to teach um how to communicate how to collaborate how to see who's in the room and and identify whose voices might not be heard or whose experiences might not be might not be reflected in what we're talking about right now that's what excites me and that that's why i keep coming back to it could i convince somebody of it if they'd never experienced it any other way I, i don't know but you continue to be excited about what it is Hold true to your values. It's, you know, the the very Brené Brown um, is the, you know, strong, uh, soft fronts, strong backs, yeah. wild hearts, uh, you know. So, yeah. you know, I, I'm, I'm soft to approach. I'm going to believe firmly that, that every kid should be valued and I'm going to run wildly after it. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think, too, what's great about that, too, it's like I'm hearing, I know there's probably like a middle of the road you have to play, but kind of an advocacy on both sides which is very hr-ish actually you know where you're like you're an advocate for employees but you're an advocate for the business in an hr role and i think is what you're doing as the dean of students like you're you're an advocate obviously for the administration the school but then there's this piece to to being that for the students and like understanding where they're coming from and as you're talking about just like being curious and getting to know them better and like really kind of what's the why behind whatever's happening so you started to go down the path i think i'm curious um I'll ask it in the context of of like your profession uh, in terms of the soft skill stuff. So I think, you know, like I'm I'm super passionate about it and I work with a lot of kids actually in in eighth grade and, and up and even adults in sort of different milestones, depending on where they are, like how these soft skills come into play. And so for you um, to be effective and be successful, do you have one or two that are your favorite that you think are the most important? Yeah, I mean, when you go back to that relationship piece that, you know, yeah. I, I know is very clear through line of, of the things yeah. that I am passionate about, um, that is communication and networking, right? That yeah. is being able to identify what what somebody might be saying, asking the questions to get below what they might be saying, to get below what might be leading mm-hmm. that. So that communication piece. And then also, you know, ensuring that and this is something that I have talked about with education leaders is like, so then with the challenge of trying to make sure that there are teachers in the room, that networking piece is making it very clear what it is that you stand for and making it known that like, this is, this is the kind of school leader that I am and this is the kind of school that we are and, and making sure that people can know 
what that is so that when they're thinking, I need a change, they know that a place that they might want to consider that change is, is where you are at your school. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. I think the idea of like, you know, we say this a lot in the corporate world, like brand, like your brand and your value proposition, like kind of know what you're up against or who you are and the way that you are. And I think for you, like to be tapped to do this role, right, you had created something there by the way that you engaged with the school and the kids and the whole program, right? And so someone saw something and said, hey, this is going to translate to a bigger a bigger space. And that probably comes a lot from the relationships that you built and then to your point around the networking for sure. Yeah, it's so funny. Those concert themes like really just became like brand ambassadors yeah. <laughs> for what our school, like yeah, yeah. Uh, family, that was one. Like yes. ha- uh, we didn't necessarily do value, but yes, like yeah. ha- that. That's that's the really big thing that, you know, I, that I put out there is like, how do we, and it's what we base our, our positive behavior system at our school around is like, how do you value yourself, value others and value the community? Respect is a word that gets thrown around a lot that everybody has a different definition of, but any seventh grader can tell you how much a pair of shoes is worth. So they understand value. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I just love that. Like it's so intentional. Like now that you're sitting here and you're saying it, I don't know that I would have connected all those dots because it's always felt very like in terms of the shows that you put on or that, you know, they're always, I feel so connected emotionally and just like when you're there, but it's interesting, like hearing you sort of talk about those dots and like how intentional that is to make sure that that kind of thread is pulled through. And I'm pretty sure at everyone I've always cried. Like um, the I remember the first one I went to um, and Luke was the first one to do anything sort of musical. And um, I sat like in the second row <laughs> and they came out and I think they did, the Irish blessing or something, right? Mm-hmm. That was like very, and so he was like here and I was just sobbing and he's like, next time you have to sit in the back. Because <laughs> like, the lights were like on me, but I love it because it's like, that's such a special, it's such a special energy. Well, you know, well my there. programming philosophy was always, uh, you need to make sure that you try to program a laugh, program a cry, oh. and program a hmm. Okay. Um, <laughs> and I would never make that clear with, uh, with students. Yeah. I would just like make sure that when they were suggesting things for us to program, that I would be like, okay, so I'm going to yeah. be able to get these guys Guide. to make them laugh over here. Yeah. Um, and I do remember one time early in my career, I, I was telling students like, all right, I really want to get a cry out of this one. And my mom's going to be there. And so I programmed a song called Do Not Stand at My Grave and Weep. <laughs> but they didn't care about the piece. Yeah. And, like, And what they cared about was, did we make your mom cry? Yeah. It's like well, we didn't really get to the point of why we're singing this piece of music. So, you know, it's funny because, you you know, you, you grow yeah. and you learn. And that's what I was talking about earlier with like, before it was just like music is the vessel. And now it's, no, the people are the vessel. And it just happens that we get to do music together. Yeah. So Yeah, I love it. Okay, and then just to wrap it up in terms of like, you know, your own journey and path when you kind of think about young Brian and you think about what you could, what advice you could give him to kind of make the path a little bit easier what would you tell him <laughs> so i'm laughing because yeah. um one of the laughs in in the most recent <laughs> concert the the last one that i put on at liberty yeah. um was three quotes from mark twain and i think about it all the time because i talked about my mom earlier um the twain quote is my mother had a great deal of trouble with me but i think she enjoyed it <laughs> um <laughs> that's a good one um and yeah yeah i I don't think that I could have gone back and told 22-year-old me, you need to value the voices in the room. It was something that I needed to grow and learn from. Yeah. And, you know, it's... I wouldn't change the path that I'd taken. 
I don't think that I would have wanted to have been a school administrator for, you know, 25 of my 35 years in public education. And I hope to do more than that because I hope to continue to make an impact and be able to say, you know, like, yeah, I could get out. And also, you know, it didn't beat me down. Um, That's the hope. Uh, But yeah, yeah, I, I think that, you know, am I smart enough now to be able to go back to find a way to talk to that kid and say that, um, or at least, or at least I've told myself like, Hey, when they start asking you the questions about whether or not you want to pursue being an administrator, don't just say no. That's the biggest thing, right? Is, you know, interesting. Think about what your yeses are. Think about what your no's are. If you're saying yes to something, you're saying no to something else, obviously. Um, but if you're saying no to something, do you even know all the things that you're saying no to? And don't just get stuck in the lane that you think you're supposed to be in because, you know, it's what helped you get out of the depths when you were 15 years old. But really think about, hey, if you say yes to something, what might you learn? Mm -hmm. So, Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I wonder, too, about, like, just the comfort. Like, we all get into these, like, lanes. You know, you use the word lane and it gets very comfortable. And then it's hard to, like, make the shift or hard to make the change when it's something maybe it's a reach or it's a stretch, or you might need to be a little resilient because mm-hmm. it might be scary because you don't know what you're doing. So kind of being that open, I love that saying yes a bit more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the saying yes a bit more is, is staying curious longer too, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, it, for sure. it comes from the theater world of, of yes and. Yes. Right? Yeah. And yeah, that, that's the huge thing. And the way that I often think about it is uh, not only can two things be true at once, there doesn't just have to be two things. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much. This was so great. Yeah. I love getting to know you a little bit better. I loved hearing the path. I think people will certainly be interested in the shift and sort of why the shift and, you know, how it's changed. And I just wish you the best at Liberty. I think it's going to be awesome. And thank I can't you. wait to hear how it grows and evolves. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, Brian, for coming on the show. I enjoyed hearing about your experience pursuing a career in music. Thank you for sharing and for getting real about navigating life after your ADHD diagnosis. And I love what you said about thinking about what you say yes and no to and how you used music and now you use your new role to help kids grow in all their skills, even their soft skills. Thank you to Missy for producing this episode and to Hannah for your support. A big thank you to our Relatable community. We continue to grow our audience and so appreciate all of our listeners who have stayed with us. If you enjoyed this conversation, please take a moment and subscribe either on YouTube or your favorite streaming platform. Relatable is sponsored by TFA Soft Skills, and you can find more information about Relatable and our sponsor by visiting www.tfasoftskills.com. Until next time, this is Teresa Freeman with Relatable. Stay connected.